Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. All right, today on Lowell's, we got the DFS free agent market heating up right now. We'll talk about a couple of layoffs in the DFS space. Our guy RBX has just turned into peak troll. We'll break down what's going on with his Twitter feed these days and maybe a little bit more poker scandal talk. It's Lowell's with Pete and Brick. Let's do it. I, does he think... I it's think he thinks goat. this He thinks this is a goat. Vegas Dave thinks this is a goat. Hot naked girls doing yoga. What? Why don't you just win like a man? Random.org. Type in one for yes, two for no, and let the DFS guys pick for you. And I'm absolutely begging you not to do bus. Please, Please don't do bus. Brian, I, I can't even remember what we did on our show last week. What did, what was our show last week? The recap 2023. Oh, yeah, yeah. Man. I feel like we've just lived a lifetime even since that episode. <laughs> That's the new meta. I know. It is. Yeah, I, was just, I, I was just thinking something happened five years. Oh, we'll, we'll talk about it in a second. I'll mention it in a second. Sorry, go ahead. Oh, no, I was just saying like the other thing, we didn't even put this on our little uh, mini show sheet for today, but I mean, crypto is absolutely ripping again. Yeah, well, I saw it just went down. Oh, are we talking about like micro movements? Did I miss like <laughs> yeah. a precipitous fall really, then it went back, 20 minutes? <laughs> it went back up since I last looked. It's going <laughs> all. It's yeah, but it's uh, doing pretty well. I mean, you saw that G- Gensler got hacked, right? Uh, yeah. It's it, that, that I just, it's so, uh, you know, so perfect, right? That the, this regulatory agency on, on these new technologies can't even do a two factor authorization on their Twitter account but they're expected to know how all these complicated things work. Like such a joke. It, it is nuts. Speaking, I don't Did you happen to see the story? Are you familiar with who the like NFL Twitter account, mega aggregator guy, Dove Kleinman is? Have you seen that name? No, no it's not ringing a bell. He has like a massive following and he like rounds up, you know, like water cooler type stories, you know, just anything that's kind of NFL adjacent and, uh, you know, now there's competing aggregators and there was this story where he had access to this other site's Twitter feed because way back in the day he had done a guest live posting for them. So he had the credentials in an old tweet deck. And so the reason they didn't know about it is because, you know, tweet deck got, you know, sunsetted and, but there's still like a version of it. I actually have it, which is like a Chrome extension, kind of like the, the draft caddy where you just upload it via developer tool. So regardless, he had access to this competitor aggregator Twitter account and he was going in and like replying to people and saying like really awful things, basically trying to slander their name and brand. Uh, and again, it, it brought me back to like, how do you let this happen? Like you hadn't got it in the settings and like removed his permissions and it like took them like weeks to figure out who this was and they kept changing their password. And it's like, come on guys. Like it's, it's 2024. We got to up our security measures here. How, how old were they? Like the people they were made... younger dudes that got oh, hacked. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. If you're young. You have no, no excuse. No. Um, 
but anyways, yeah, it, it, it is a funny thing uh, with that that new version of uh, TweetDeck, or I guess I should say the old version. Uh, someone just created an extension that basically is able to hack back into it, but they had gotten rid of it. Uh, and I guess deep in the settings, they had uh, an imposter there. But uh, Brian, I think that the main topic today is what we have going on specifically with a couple big names in the DFS industry over at Stochastic who were recently let go it was just about a week ago that Neil Orfield uh, did a post that he was laid off. He has since launched his own YouTube channel, has still been doing some stuff. And then today, we got shit my money. Uh, Adam Schur reported that he uh, he said he had departed ways. I don't know if that means laid off or what kind of the particulars are. Um, that was his language. Are you surprised to see uh, these moves from Stochastic? Um, yeah, I'm, I'm surprised. I will. I mean, at least I was initially surprised, but then after thinking about it, um, you know, I could, I could, I think I, my guess is I think they kind of were on the high end of compensation for analysts in terms of the industry, not in terms of real life. Right. Cause most, most analysts get like what Pete, like 50 bucks a show or something, a hundred. If you're just like a freelancer or contractor. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, and I'm, I'm guessing here, I did not ask anybody. So this is pure speculation, but I'd imagine, um, they might've been, you know, like salaried employees. And I'm pretty sure Adam was because he made a reference to getting health insurance here, which, uh, that would be the only way you were getting health insurance if you were a full-time employee. Yeah. Yeah, so I think it, it was. I'm guessing it's probably just a um, a, a cost problem. You know, they're just yeah. not making enough money to pay to pay for that. When in this industry, you can get someone to do shows for you for fifty bucks or whatever, a hundred. I don't even know what they're going for now. I haven't done one in a while, but yeah, it, it is. It's an interesting thing because I mean. This stuff happens on a really large scale, you know, with like ESPN and like the personalities become, you know, such big parts of their brand and they end up holding a lot of leverage. I think obviously in DFS, it's a little different. I mean, I, I consider Neil and, and Ship My Money to be two pretty big personalities for Stochastic. Um, you know, Adam is a prolific uh, ship poster and Neil is, you know, beloved by I feel like everyone in the DFS space, just like one of the hashtag nice guys so i mean purely optics wise it's not a great look you know you, you especially when you see uh you know our guys over at run pure hiring everyone left and right etr hiring you know it's, it's not the best look to say hey we're getting rid of some of our most forward-facing personalities yeah yeah uh, i mean i mean to me it looks like they're just not bringing enough revenue to compensate um yeah, and it's unlikely that it was, you know, other issues, personal issues or something. Cause like, why would it be, why would it both happen at the same time? You know, like, like if Adam was like wasted or something, you know what I mean? And like, this is it. This is your last chance. You I think know? he calls that a Tuesday. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, and also it's like in DFS, like no one cares about that stuff anyways, but um, yeah. Uh, yeah. M maybe they're just, Maybe they thought like sports betting was going to bring in X revenue and it didn't. 
And so they're like, okay, how are we going to, or, or maybe, maybe, maybe opposite, maybe DFS is just declining and they're like, well, let's just do sports betting stuff. Yeah. What, yeah. what do you think? Yeah. Oh, I mean, I, I think this is, it's obvious it's money related. I would highly doubt it was, you know, performance-based. I mean, I consider both of those guys to be workhorses over there, sharp dudes, good at, you know, explaining concepts, you know, Neil was, uh, you know, he was kind of a Swiss army knife. Like he would be in there doing best ball. He would be, you know, doing all these different sports. I mean, that's a versatile asset to have there. Someone who's willing to kind of tackle all of that content. I mean, I, I completely think it was, it's a, it's a money thing, but it is, is it like more of a canary in the coal mine for the industry? You know, because you do see other sites still hiring. Like, is it an, in a macro industry trend that's coming or is this unique to their financials? Well, we saw the other one, our guys uh, at the Fantasy Golf Bag, um, who we used their data on the draft caddy last year, shut down too um, and uh, moved over to, to Run Pierre. I guess he's he's been working with Run Pierre, but now he's just going to full-time Run Pierre. Yeah. So Run Pierre keeps adding, adding people. That'll, that, that will definitely be interesting if they ever have to start laying people off yeah because they might be the highest compensating <laughs> i mean i don't know how they got like some of these guys they got unless they're giving them you know real salary well that's what i was gonna do you think all of these hires are getting um health insurance or they're on as kind of glorified contractors that are getting more of like a rev share type stuff because it's it's when you add the benefits package that that's when shit gets really expensive for an operator. Right. Yeah. Um, that's a good question. I could see no benefits package, but a decent salary at run pure. That's what I would guess. I, I and even maybe not a, a decent salary quite as much as like a rev share thing where kind of like you eat what you kill kind of set up. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, when we were talking, guessing about how much they paid, um, what's his name jbc what's his name yeah. and um and he's like oh you guys are way under yeah and we were pretty high yeah i can't remember 300 or 500 grand or something i can't remember what our guesses were but so i mean ultimately it is like all of this stuff has to be elastic right where the primary revenue is all coming from subscriptions and like the pie that's available for the contributors is only as big as how many subscriptions are coming in. And if you're hiring more people, you're either saying our subscriptions are growing or you have like a war chest for like expansion that you've saved up and said, Hey, we're going to make key acquisitions in hopes of gaining more subscribers and then justifying these new salaries. Yeah. And it, and, it, and it's, and it's different at different points in your, in your growth as a company, like, like Alex, Awesome. was a 100%, you know, the reason that they first got subscribers and they couldn't have done it without him. But yeah. now, honestly, he can just retire and it wouldn't really matter that much. That's not an insult to Alex. I'm just saying like they're big enough now that they could kind of go on without it. But like, let's say you're a smaller site and you hire, you know, ship my money and Neil like they're going to help you. Yes. Like they're going to bring in subs. They're going to, you know, so it's really just a matter of, of size. I do think it's more about 
also kind of the more I think about it, like the meta of, of DFS, just it's like, there's a lot of content and, and it, and DFS isn't, is, 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 I think I'm, I'm, I'm not positive, but it's, is slightly shrinking year after year. Right. Yes. And it never really got as popular as poker. So like, there's just only so much attention people have and the amount of people who pay attention to this, this area. So like, you know, bound to happen. Neil in the chat, he says he's 10 minutes behind. Neil, spoiler alert, you got let go. No, I'm just, <laughs> sorry, that's a bad maybe, joke. Maybe if you weren't behind all the time, you wouldn't have got let go, Neil. No, Neil, we, we, Neil, what's your, we love what's your YouTube. Yeah, we, uh, uh, well, I'll drop a, a link to Neil's YouTube here in the, in the chat. I recently uh, subscribed. I saw he was uh, already doing some playoff best ball uh, content here. Um, Neil, I'm going to have to work on my, uh, um, my searching here because when you search Neil Orfield, uh, here we go. I found you. All right. Here's Neil's site. Uh, I'm dropping this in the chat. Everyone subscribe to his new channel. Only 413 subscribers. By the end of this show, Neil better have 500 subscribers. All right. That's the mission. We get 500 subscribers. By the end of today, I just subscribed with one of my burner YouTube accounts. Um, what was I going to say? Oh, the other thing, you, I do agree probably like the DFS market, you know, is shrinking, but you also have this incredible nicheification of things where you have more solo creators, more private sub stacks, then you have the nicheification of even DFS tools. It's no longer just one umbrella thing where you get everything. It's like, well, now you need the SIM product in addition to getting your content, in addition to getting your optimizer people are starting to have to be like, and I see the conversations in my discord too, where they're like, man, that SIM product looks cool, but I don't play enough DFS to justify that price or like, oh man, I would love to get like OWS's thoughts, ETR's thoughts and use the stochastic SIMS tool, but I have to choose one of them. Like, do I want that? You know? And I think people are having to make those decisions at a much higher rate, which is weird because in a way it's like DFS is growing. There's more tools, there's more offerings, but the consumer can't afford to buy all of these a la carte. Yeah. Yeah. That's. And, and I think that the guys who were subbing to everything don't sub to everything anymore. Like, cause before you would sub to everything, but there was really like only four or five things that mattered kind of, you know, if that even, um, and then now, like when a new site comes up, like I don't sub to it before I, I would have just automatically subbed, looked at what they had, but not, not anymore. Maybe maybe I'm alone, but I don't think so. I bet a lot of the 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 power users, I bet I bet the power user base is shrinking as well. Not just kind of like the overall base, um, which could be also driving it down. You know, I mean, it, it is a bummer though. You know, getting laid off sucks. So, yeah, yeah, and I mean, if when you think about it too, for just stochastics position in, you know, the industry for a while, and uh, you mentioned it, like they are heading in a different direction, both, you know, with their employees, but also with their branding, like the, the switch from Osmo to stochastic, like that wasn't just made willy nilly. There was, there was reasons why that happened. I guess it is now like, what is, when you think of stochastic, like at this point, like, what do you think of? Because you're like Osmo isn't front and center, you know, both literally and figuratively, they're letting some of their really forward facing people go. Um, like what, what is their, their core thing now that 
you know, resonates with people from a brand perspective. Hmm. That's, I mean, I still think of it as live before lock and projections, but maybe their, their odds, because uh, I think their odds uh, chopper channel, it got to a hundred thousand subs like really fast. Yeah. Which is pretty, which is pretty, pretty solid getting a hundred thousand subs. So, um, what I think might be totally off base. It's also, you know, one thing that's interesting too, when you think in the space, you know, underdog and prize picks came in, they hire influencers, they offer, um, affiliate deals, you think about, you know, stochastic primarily being on, you know, DraftKings and FanDuel. Like there was at this point in the DFS game, there's no like referral money for signing up to play DraftKings DFS. There's no like referral money for getting a new user to sign up and play FanDuel. And so you, you could have this massively successful live before lock show. You have a bunch of, you know, phone shitter bros who are watching the free content, building a couple lineups, but you're not getting any money from them then they might not even be willing to pay 200 bucks or whatever for an annual sub for content, much less projections. And I do wonder if that's an element of DFS where it's like, sure, now we have the sports betting grab bag. You know, you have the best ball sites, the, the pick them sites, but their core business model, I would still assume is DFS. And yet there isn't a really easy generation for revenue outside of subs there now. Yeah. I mean, when, when it first got legalized, I was on the like side where I didn't think it was going to hurt DFS that much. And I, I don't think it has, but I, I, I do think it has more than I thought. I, I mean, I, I, I saw no problem with having two types of gambling products. Like some people like playing the, yeah. the casino games and some people like going to the poker room and you could have both those in your casino. Um, but I'm sure there probably has been a decent amount of, of people who are just want to fire single game parlays with their 50 bucks or whatever. Yeah. Instead of build, build, a build a team. You know, actually the skill thing can actually maybe even with that type of person, like dissuade them from playing DFS. Like, Oh, this is a skill thing. Well, why would I want to play against guys who are better than me? I'd rather just fire off a parlay. Yeah. Yeah. Density says they have sponsors every year. Owner's box better. Uh, yeah, so those deals can work out in a couple different ways. A lot of the times, those deals are just purely affiliate. And it is back to that, you eat what you kill. How many people are you converting to play there? Uh, Brian, I don't know about you, but I don't hear too many people talking about playing on Owner's Box. I made a joke about it on the Swolecast <laughs> yesterday. Uh, I don't know what kind of cash cow Owner's Box referrals are bringing in for a site right now. You know, I mean, I, I just want competition so i will cheer for any uh new company starting out because because we're pretty much at the lowest point of competition in in dfs um yeah you know not since the beginning but maybe even since the beginning but you know since the last whatever seven ten years like all the small sites are either gone or just the price pools are so small it's not worth playing for anybody there's no sites on the horizon is owner's box. I don't even know. Is it actually even DFS? Cause usually the new ones that come up try to be different. And it's pretty sure it's DFS. I literally don't know, but I'm almost positive it's DFS. Yeah. Okay. Um, well that's good if it's DFS, but with the, 
you know, with less and less sites, you know, the less that DraftKings has reason to lower the rake or give, you know, decent rewards or anything like that. So I'm all for owner's box, even though I don't know anything about it. Yeah. Owner's box is DFS, Neil says. Okay. So um, that's good. But um, yeah. yeah, I mean, th- this could also just be to your general point there, though. Like the referrals run out. Yes. You know, like it's different if you get a piece. Like if you get rake back off of the people you sign up, like this is how a lot mostly like, that was like, the old school roto grinders model. That's how you know Kale, uh, Cal, and uh, Cam got fuck you money because it was yeah. some of those early guys who ended up becoming whales, and those in per- perpetuity checks just keep coming in. Yep, exactly. That because that they did it based off of the only model they knew, which was the poker model before that, which was rake back. Yeah. Um, and so. Yeah, like if if you get a, a hundred bucks off of you know Pete's cousin who plays two bets in his lifetime, that's a great deal. But if Pete's cousin turns out to be Mock Lovin, you know you got completely fucking ripped off because he's bringing in millions. Yep, and it, it actually brings up some unique concerns with that model as far as sports betting because then there do start to be some moral and ethical concerns of if you're touting stuff and you're trying to bring in losing players and you're getting a cut of their essentially, you know, punting off money. That's true. That's true. Sports betting is definitely a different, different game, but either way, like the referrals, the money runs out and like the gravy trains probably coming towards an end here, right? Like a lot of the States have made it legal. You the, probably the biggest window is that first six months to a year and a half or something, yeah. I guess. And all oh, that money's dried up. Uh, so like, you know, maybe they're maybe they want to expand. Maybe they want to save some money and expand or something like that too. Who knows? Yeah. Um, how much money do you think they make off of their their YouTube's? You mean got, just you like know, ad revenue? Yeah. I have a hundred thousand on one channel and almost a hundred on another. I would bet with a hundred thousand, like if I had to ballpark it, like my like internal like YouTube revenue display is um uh augmented by having the YouTube membership portion. So, but if I'm trying to like separate that part out and just think pure ad revenue, I, I bet a channel at that size they're making thirty thousand, thirty to forty thousand a year in YouTube revenue. It's it's not a ton. Um, even at that scale. And the other thing about it is because all the live before lock shows are, they basically die on the vine, right? The second they end, the second lock starts, they're not getting a long tail of views. Like people aren't going in back. And so they probably have really good live viewer retention in horrible, like post playback, um, times because it's just, it's the content becomes irrelevant after lock. I'm picturing the the sad, sad man who watches a live before lock hours after the lock end. Like, what are you doing with your life, bro? Dude, I, trust me. I, I had some, I had someone commenting, like I recorded a playoff best ball strategy with Crane, like literally like three weeks ago. And someone's like, good job touting like two QBs with bye weeks or whatever. And I was like, dude, you, Mr. Man from the future, congratulations on knowing what happened in the NFL you know, four weeks after we <laughs> recorded this show. So there are some sick people who do like to go back and, and watch old stuff. 
Did you see someone just put in our chat that Greg just made a tweet about the changes? Is it a joke or is it real? No, it looks real. I'm sending I got it to you here in the private chat. All right, I'll um, pull this up. And then the other thing, um, Mr. Shadow Dog says ship ship my money has to be a, be a ship my ship ship it nation. That actually that, that actually kind of makes some sense. It does. Um, that's actually another like interesting counterpoint, you know, to kind of all this stuff. And I wonder if that is, and I do want to read what Greg just wrote here, but I wonder if that is kind of the lesson, like you could probably still do a very pared down lean content site when you don't have salaries, you don't have insurance stuff. It's just a few of you, you pay like one YouTube kind of like producer type thing on a per show per video basis. And then it is just like pretty much all revenue with hardly any overhead costs. Right. Yeah. Like what is it? I mean, it kind of makes me think like that just Roto grinders was way underrated for how they operated this whole time, even though they take a lot of shit where, you know, they just, they just like, if you left, you know, you left, they weren't raising their rates and, you know, they were, they were the first mover and had a lot of advantages and stuff like that. So maybe you couldn't re replicate, what they did, but I don't know. It seemed, seemed to have worked pretty well. Yep. All right. Let me try to quickly read Greg's post, taking advantage of that blue check mark, flexing all kinds of characters on us here. As most of you know, by now there have been changes to the stochastic content team. So I want to explain it from my position. One of the trickiest parts of having a large team of full-time employees is the seasonality of DFS in the spring and summer months. We often have less than 20 hours of work per week for full-time employees. It isn't anyone's fault in the summer. For example, there's only so much baseball content we can recently put out from a business standpoint. This couldn't continue, but I also didn't want anyone to leave. Um, Neil and Ship My Money are my friends and they are excellent analysts who I love working with. The best solution I could come up with was to try to keep them on board, but in a part-time role and compensate them on a per show basis. These were very difficult decisions to have and both Adam and Neil are very talented. Offers were made to both of them, but I can totally understand why a part-time role isn't in their best interest. I hope they understand my point of view as well. In the future, I hope that to have the chance to work with Adam and Neil again. I will always consider them friends. In the meantime, please support and follow them uh, and then links to their channels and shouts them out. If I'm missing my friends, all I know I have to do is find them or to find them is to look at the top of the leaderboards. Um, So about kind of what we were hypothesizing there, I do think one other interesting wrinkle about this, they mentioned reaching out to these guys about being contractors. My guess and someone tell me if I'm wrong over at Stochastic, is that still included an exclusivity clause, um, which is a huge deterrent for freelancers and contractors. Whereas my guess, and again, I'm just speaking you know, from my position here, my guess is those guys would be willing to work on a contract basis with Stochastic, but still keep their options open. I can go do a couple articles over here, do my own sub stack over here, build up additional revenue streams. I think sites are really short-sighted with some of that exclusivity stuff. And especially if your interest was to keep these guys on, like, wouldn't you still want those guys if they wanted to be in that basis? And the only thing you're sacrificing is letting them do some content in other spots. I didn't think that that's an excellent point. I wonder if that is the case. Um, I could see uh, getting the part-time offer and just being like, fuck you. Right. You know, pride wise. Um, it's interesting. Yeah, because then 
you know, but they don't want, they don't want shit my money doing an RPS spot <laughs> and then, right. and then coming on, you know, live before lock or whatever the earlier one is. Uh, but I, I'm more just thinking of how that does limit your available pool of talent. Um, by saying like, yeah, you're part-time, but you have to be exclusive. That that's just my guess on how that went down. Um, yeah, that's, that's what we should find out. Neil, you tell, you DM me if you don't want to say it publicly. Yeah. So I just is, think there's is a misguided Greg, is what is Greg the, uh, like CEO or now or something. That, that's everyone's, uh, reaction to this post is that, is that Greg was the one, uh, making the decisions here. All right. Yeah. It's yeah. very, very like CFO, C CEO, uh, speak. Yeah. Let's see. Did Tom say anything? He did. He's not very active on, on Twitter. He's been flexing his, uh, his screenshots. Oh lately. yeah. Well he wins everything. <laughs> so he is, maybe that's why he decided he doesn't need them. Cause he just keeps winning all the money. <laughs> um, yeah. And I, again, I don't, I don't want to make, uh, light of it. it 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 sucks any which way um to lose your job and yeah. and knowing like it it is hard there are only so few really good dfs content jobs that can offer stability you know yeah. like those don't grow on trees as, as big as the industry is like those are few and far between but they they were in like the 0.01% in this even though yeah. you know they they could very well both of them have degrees and stuff like Neil's a lawyer, I think. So like, yeah, they can get job, real jobs, but, um, in the DFN industry, you have like insurance and a full-time salary and stuff like that is, I liked it when they started doing super chats. I thought that was fun. Um, yeah, because then they could like share it like tips and stuff like that. I thought that was like a good change in the, uh, in this, in the system. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's tough too, because like, <clears throat> I mean, what do you think, do you think just screenshots are still like the biggest driver for subs for even stochastic? Or do you think their YouTube funnel is, is still driving their core majority? Of I mean, I, that's why I'm thinking like the RPS, the RPS, um, what, I mean, what, what do you call it? Like their, their strategy yeah. of signing these guys is like, does you know X? I don't want to call anyone out. Bring you enough subs plus to compensate for whatever you're paying them. I don't see it at this this stage, with a few exceptions. Like like Yuda Yuda would be worth it. Yuda like would bring in big time was, subs, big time subs. Yeah, because you could tell like just our show alone. He, he get you know we just get double the views if he does our show so like he's gonna get you subs um and there's I, probably some others too my guess i agree with you brian i don't think any individual creator is probably moving the needle but i do think that in like a blitz not Derek cardi's the blitz but like an actual like blitz strategy where you're just like we are going to be so omnipresent everywhere you look you we're just going to be talking about this, 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 this. Like you're going to see our name so many times because we have so many foot soldiers out there yeah. that we're essentially undeniable and so omnipresent that when you think of DFS, we're the only site you think of. Maybe we could get the ad answer if Big T would uh, sack up and do our show <laughs> um, on why they're why what their strategy is. 
Um, what was my, I had a thought there and I just lost it. Uh, it'll come to me in a second. Um, I did, I did want to talk about, uh, the DraftKings rewards program briefly. Do you want to, yeah. you want to switch it up here? Yeah. And then we so, can, we can, we can circle back. There's a, a question in the chat here about like content creator versus DFS pro, which I yeah, do think is kind of relevant. With stick with it. Go, go for it. Well, I, I wanted to like, to me, it, it's obvious what's the difference between a content creator and a DFS pro. Uh, I'm a content creator. Brian's a DFS pro. Uh, but he says that line does get blurred, which is fair. There are DFS pros who also supplement um, their income from like doing shows. How, how do you think of that line? Like when you think of guys like Shit My Money in Neil or any of the ETR guys, wh whatever, literally anyone, do you think of them more so as pros or as content creators? This actually reminds me of what I what I forgot too, was this this exact distinction. I for like shit my money. I always thought of him more as a pro who just does a show. Um, where like fast study fear, I saw responded to shit my money, and I think of him as just the content. He doesn't even play, so content creator. Like I guess so. It's a case by case basis. Um, but like my thought before was, I think in more cases you're going to get more subs with content creators than with than with uh, good DFS players. I, I, that could be wrong, but I think content creators like they're they're popular for a reason because they're good or entertaining or whatever, and I think they convert. I would guess they convert more than you know, you're a pro with 2,500 Twitter followers who just never, who just does occasional screenshot, but never creates content, you know, to build his following. I think I agree. I, I think the best is, is probably a balance, right? Like, I mean, I listen to all the ETR shows and Silva is just fucking hilarious. Like he's so fucking funny. And then, but then you also have Wiggins and Leone and these guys who battle at the highest like nosebleed stakes. And that gives credibility to their play. But like, if it was just all that, it'd be like, oh, this is too dry or whatever. Like it is balancing that entertainment aspect, the credibility, and then we you can spin it off into talking about community and all that kind of stuff. But I do think having a balance is probably key. Yeah, sure. Yeah. But I'm 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 just saying, like, I think it's fine if you get someone who's just a content creator. Yeah. Uh, I mean, they also produce like more interesting stuff. A lot of time, a lot of like, how many times have we seen or you know even had on guys, and it's just like they're just not good at talking, <laughs> you know, they're not yeah. entertaining, conversations boring, and then like that's who you're gonna put on your YouTube channel for six hours a day, right? Yeah, Neil Neil says my distinction has always been you're a pro if DFS is your primary income source. But to me, even that line can get blurred, right? Like if you are sup, like if you're making 60,000 a year doing DFS content, and then as a GPP bro life, couldn't you, Brian, have a year where you lose 10,000 playing DFS, and then you have another year where you win 500,000, oh, but you're yeah. still getting that $60,000 in revenue? Like to, to me, it's like in that example I just gave, are you a DFS pro or are you uh, a content creator? That one you just gave right now with 500,000 yeah. minus 10, you're DFS pro, I would say. But I'm saying you always have the 60,000 in content creator money. 
coming in each year. Oh, I gotcha. Okay. Okay. Um, yeah, no, I guess there's no, it's too, too hard to make a distinction there. Yeah. 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 You're describing like the shit, my money probably. Right. That type in, of situation. In almost, I, you can hear lots of people describe this, you know, and there's people on various ends of the spectrum. You've heard, um, uh, blender talks about it all the time. Like he kind of has his target goals, um, and likes to supplement and raise his floor. I think most people who play DFS at a high level and also do content, it's a combination of liking that safety net. Maybe it allows them to be more aggressive and play more optimal in their DFS play. If it's like, yeah, I have my salary, I have my health benefits. I can lose every slate this year and I'm not going to go have to sleep in a cardboard box, you know, kind of thing. Um, so I do think the lines are blurred there. I guess the real question, Brian is like, for how many people is it even viable being a full-time DFS pro with no other kind of safety nets or side gigs or hustles? Like even for you, Brian, like you built up the draft caddy, you're in crypto, like you are clearly thinking about other income and investment streams just outside of DFS exclusively, even though people would think of you as a full-time DFS pro. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think the younger guys might not do that, but like anyone who's been around, like the gambling gravy train doesn't last forever, uh, yeah. unless you're the house. So, if if you've been if you were like a poker pro back in the day, you know you had you had it all come crumbling down around you. You know, I, I remember logging on and it says the FBI has seized this this website and shitting my pants. Like, okay, well, what the hell am I gonna do? And, um, and I was a lot more naive back then. So clearly, and I don't, I, th I think I need to branch out even more, honestly, but, um, definitely like an, uh, like a motivating factor for me, like being more active on Twitter and like reaching out to you to do this show years ago, et cetera, et cetera, was to like do something other than just sit in your house and think about gambling all 24 seven. Yeah. And I'm not, I don't, I'm not going to speak for you or say anything, but like, if you wanted, like there would be opportunities available for you to work at one of these sites, whether on like the data side or as a consultant, like I guarantee there would be a role for you if you're like, Hey, I would like to supplement my income with some kind of consistent gig. I think if you put that out there, there would be sites that would be interested in talking to you. Maybe, maybe not anymore though, with, uh, people, you know, with the, they're laying off people. Maybe there's just not enough money to go around. Yeah. I think ultimately I, I, I really do think you could get a job if you wanted. The question is, would you want everything that would, that job would fully entail from you from like a work and scheduling perspective, that would probably be the rub. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Um, yeah. I, I imagine I could probably, probably still get a job. I was thinking about, it's a good time maybe to write a DFS book. That'd be fun. Like not strategy so much as like, like the story and evolution or like what? No, strategy. What, strategy? Yeah. Why not? What I, I think it would be fun if you blended it with kind of more of, you know, not doing the full dueling with Kings. We don't need like the backstory between how DraftKings and FanDuel, but like I would be more interested in reading a slightly more narrative first person narrative driven story of like my experiences as a DFS pro. These are the things I learned. This is how the games changed. This is how I turned into a sim bro. This is how I then worried about the Sims, you know, becoming. <laughs> so like to me, that would be a fascinating read. Interesting. 
Yeah. Maybe, maybe two books then. <laughs> <laughs> well, like even when I read Dueling with Kings, you know, one of the best parts of that book then was also the sub elements. He was telling the history of DFS, but also talking about how he immersed himself, learned how to play, you know, DFS hockey from Beep I'm a Jeep. And they were even kind of getting into some of the tactical stuff. And he's saying like, you know, oh, th this kind of correlation is underused by the field, blah, blah, blah. And that in tandem with the unfolding of events is what made it like a very compelling book. Yeah, that was, it was very interesting. I, I mean, that one would be a lot harder to write. Yeah. It's more of a real book. Yeah. <laughs> writing <100 laughs> you, you, want, you want to write a fit? Yeah, yeah. Well, because the strategy I already, I already know, you know. Yeah. Well, what you need to, I mean, honestly though, Brian, like the, the marketing angle would be, you work on that book, you keep kind of like lightly tweaking and updating it. And then you hit the big score and you drop the book. Oh shit. I have to screenshot then. You, you would have to screenshot. Like if you were able to win a Millie maker and then the next day drop the link to the 1499 or whatever you would price it at PDF. Like th that's, that's how you rake it in. How much, how, you know, how much I should charge 75. Where's, where's the number coming Break from? 75. Oh, I actually, I do think that would actually be a fascinating conversation of what, okay. Brian writes this book and are you, are you holding anything back? Are you spilling everything you've done? Let's, let's just say for, for argument's sake, no. Yeah, so you're any basically anything you've ever done, all your strategy, how it's evolved, it's all laid out here. I I think you would want to I do think 75. I was going to say between 75 and 99. Mm, okay. Would probably be what I would recommend to price it out because you want you want it to signal like this is, you know, valuable. This is important, but you also want to make sure more casual people who are just kind of fascinated are not fully boxed out. Yeah. I think they probably would even at that price. That seems a little bit high. But um you can always drop it a year later, two years later. Yeah. That that would be because no, I mean, people have done like strategy type stuff, but a full-blown almost expose from a pro would be a unique piece of content in the space. Like in the same way I would read yours. If Yuda wrote one, if Osimo no. wrote one, like I would devour that. That'd be so fun to read. Is, is there even been a good DFS book in like a decade? Strategy book. Yeah. It's like more like evergreen. Like all there is is really Bale stuff, right? Bales. Yeah. Hmm. And since DFS is dead anyways, who cares? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you you now look back on that. I mean, Bales was so ahead of the curve too for getting those books out that early. It'd be fascinating to know what kind of revenue he made from the that series. Or my guess is he would tell you that it was just way more valuable to him as a brand building exercise. Oh yeah, I bet. I bet. Um, DraftKings. Yeah, yeah. What were you? Uh, you're you're way more in the weeds on this. I did see some people kind of laughing at their change rewards. Did they essentially like nuke the entire reward system? I mean, you summed it up. Yeah, pretty pretty much just nuked 
the entire reward system. It wasn't that huge last year, but they had like uh, that prize chest thing we would joke about, which I never yeah. won once. Um, and I think they had, a, a pr- I think mine was 40%, the, oxen, the um, Onyx tier, Oxen, uh, 40% uh, bonus each month. Yeah. And it just goes lower than that based on your tier. And they changed that to you pick five days and you have to actually physically go in there and pick them. And so you have to like know which days in the head of the month that you're going to have your heaviest play on to pick your five days. Um, you, we're still getting our, uh, what's it called? Uh, prize, uh, the, on the 22nd. So not our next show, but the show after. So actually our probably next show, we'll probably talk about it. Um, They'll probably release. Hopefully, they'll give us at least four days advance or whatever on what we can pick. But maybe they won't have it for uh, two weeks. So that's still coming. But other than that, there's 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 like as far as I can see, there's nothing. So they're either a like just like they're like you know they're just slow after the holidays, um, and they're gonna come up with something, or they just nuke the entire no matter what level you are at rewards program because they can. Yeah. It, how much of it now is like, you know, before, like when I was, you would have to go in and actually claim it. How much of it is like passive versus active now with the new reward system? That, that's, that's the only reward. Okay. That's the only thing is you have to activate it five times. You have to physically go in there and press activate. Yeah. On the days you think you'll have your highest, like, yeah. I mean, that's the best strategy is do it on the days you think like Sunday. Right. Um, but, but like, if you don't do it, you don't get it where yeah. before it was just automatic. And so are there, there, are there no more daily missions? There is daily missions. Yeah. There's still daily missions. I guess okay. that counts. Yeah. Cause that's the part where they get me like in that gamification, like in during NFL season, like they have trained me in a Pavlovian way to each day go register for one of my contests. And some days I'm not like, I don't even want to play this $33 contest, but I'm just going to reg for the five max 33 because they fucking got me with the gamification aspect of it. Sure. Sure. Yeah. That, that must be working as, yeah. what, as you described because they cut that one. Yep. I kind of, I got, I kind of put that more in the, just, they just have that for everybody. Yeah. Um, not like, cause all these other things, like they would give away, you know, like a solo stove one year. And then last year was like uh luggage. And then they started the, the, the giveaway, um, you know, for a trip or a watch or whatever. I always thought of that, like on top of a rewards program. Yeah. Dirt bike is an option, but truffle, truffle hunting. I guess I guess that wasn't the way they saw it. So um, I don't know. For me, it's just another another negative signal of low competition, high rake, game shrinking, not good. Um, but I I have a feeling there's enough chatter online. They seem pretty reactive to Twitter as a company, and I'm guessing in the next week or two there might be some something like they'll bring back the chest. That seems like the easiest thing to do. Yeah. Yeah. Because like, did you ever, 
did you ever like quantify like what those rewards like ended up being like monetarily, like how much it was actually offsetting your entries or your rake? You know, I never did it, but like I would always save my my crowns and stuff. And I would say it was probably like five grand a year in crowns. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe a little more than that. It's it's kind of hard. Maybe ten grand in crowns because because sometimes I'd keep them for over a year, so they'd keep yeah keep accumulating. Um, the other stuff is tougher because they would make you offers, which those come far far and few between now where um they would they would say like if you sign up you know for the thunder you know whatever the the wildcat if you do 10 i'll give you three freebies and then eventually it was like if you do 20 i'll give you two freebies and you know if you do 21 i'll get i'll make your last one free yeah like there's like no point for me to risk 30 grand extra for 300 bucks an ev yeah, this is a funny. Yeah, Neil says the only public chatter about the chest was negative. People complaining about min caching and yeah. people getting jealous, but everyone always looked forward to them. It's true. That's exactly right. There was a lot of negative, negative press. And the the funny thing is, they just cancel it and just don't replace it. Like, fine, fuck you. Um, but yeah, that was. Uh, I mean, I'm not saying the chests are the greatest thing in the world. I mean, but it's just like it's kind of like n- notably. Like after like, you know, six or seven days after the new year, it's just like, oh, so they're not doing anything. Like there's just nothing. There's just nothing here. They're like, wait, but the prize is coming. It's like, yeah, that was for last year. Right. Like that. Like we already knew we were getting that. So like, I mean, I tweeted this out. They're not going to do it, but I think they should just do do rake back. You know, maybe underdog will do this, but let's like have a tiered system and like at the higher tiers, start giving out rake back. And ca- and cap it because like unlike poker, where they didn't have cap, they didn't have a cap on on rake back, but you just physically couldn't play that many tables for that long to get to some ridiculous number. Like some people could maybe get up to like ten grand in rake back in a month or something, but you have to play a lot in a lot of tables. Yeah. Where in DFS, these guys are you know at the the guys who are playing the the most amount. They're paying, playing, paying millions of dollars in rake. So like they would easily hit the cap, you know, they would, they would be giving them too much back. And so maybe well, that was, that was, wasn't that, I always remember that was like Joey Ingram's thing, right. Of trying to get the supernova elite on poker stars. Like those were pretty aggressive rake back systems that like highly incentivize people to just spend their entire life playing poker online. Right. It's and it's good for the ecosystem too. Like I wish there was a, a an economist who cared about, you know, DFS or poker because I think you get the top shot economist. Remember that guy who was like the top shots economist. I don't. What happened to him? I mean, I talk about another company that's continued. I mean, literally over the past two weeks, I think I've seen like multiple of their like content creator guys who have gotten laid off. Wow. Wow. I mean, talk about a a brief cash cow. Like they must've made just a minute, a ton. Like they had a $5 billion like public valuation dapper did they were raising at like a five to six billion dollar valuation not to change the subject but just briefly so do you think the play of printing was smart or in hindsight in hindsight now or dumb 
I, I think the only top shot analysis is Bale's substack ruined top shot. I think I think that's what we say. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean obviously the printing uh backfired on them. Okay, okay. I mean I, the only reason I say it wouldn't is because they cashed in and maybe this the whole thing was going under anyways. Maybe so it's it's impossible to say, but um it would have been nice holding some of those, <laughs> holding a large <laughs> bag if they wouldn't have printed so much. So, so like maybe the DraftKings hasn't like thought about the rake back much, and they're thinking like, oh man, we gave Mac Levin's rake back to Roto Grinders for ten years. That cost us eighteen million dollars, you know, or more. Who knows? So we're never doing rake back, but like just cap it, and then all that money. These are your grinders, you know. what I mean, a guy who 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 plays, you know, eight entries into the million banks is cashing out 98% of that and, and then probably takes a few stabs and then calls it quits. But all these grinders keep feeding it back into the economy. And like, if you can give them, like, I think I always liked the, the idea in poker was like, is, if you could break even, you can make a living. So like you can make 60, 70, 80 grand in rake back. Maybe that's not a living today's inflation market, yeah. but, uh, that's what I would say, like five, 10, like five grand a month paid out or five, five grand a month biweekly. So like 10 K tops for, for the, for the highest tier, something like that. And then, you know, so, so like they can make between like 90, 120,000 in rake back. And like, that's enough for them to like stimulate the market. Cause like, it's not like they're cashing that out. Like the guys who would cash it out are just the guys who are superstars. It'd be an extra 120 K in their, in their pocket. But even those guys, like, I, I don't, I don't think that's happening for anyone anymore, but um, how, how much of it, how much of it from like DraftKings perspective, do you think it is like a money thing or just like literally a lack of creativity. And we just don't want to devote any extra time and resources to this. Yeah. I mean, I always put it at in the competition thing. Like why, why bother? Like more like sports betting. You know, I can't even log into their FanDuel account. I mean, they have a stranglehold on the salary cap market. Yes. Yeah. Fan FanDuel. Yeah. Is, some people say, well, what about Fanduel? It's like Fanduel's just like a dead site, essentially. So, I mean, they don't do anything, right? Like, I guess they give those. They, <laughs> They've never even given people CSVs. Yeah. Yeah. So, like, and that's their biggest competitor. Yeah. So, Yahoo's also cut back their theirs. They used to give them out. Uh, I Yahoo. missed that. They even got me to play on there. I mean, they had some pretty sick rake-free tournaments. Yeah. They've cut back their. And those like Yahoo dollar things would add up mm-hmm. uh, pretty good. I spent most of mine after they, what did they do? Like a year ago, I panicked. They like, they like banned a certain site or something. I'm like, oh, they're going to confiscate all the money. Did you, um, uh, did you win a trip to like Vegas from Yahoo? Oh yeah, I did. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> you didn't go. I went, I went. You did? I ended up going. Yeah. We Wait, talked. Who did you? Oh yeah. I, Remember I got IV. I got an IV after a drinking. Yeah, you're right. I'm glad you you finally went on a trip. I forgot about that. Um, but with DraftKings, like I don't know, maybe they're just going the route of like sports betting. Like you know, it's just like people are going to use this regardless. There's nowhere else to play. 
And, you know, if they can't win, they can't win. Who cares? You know, or whatever. Like, just if we don't give out any promotions, like, is that really going to kill us? And it's probably not. Yep. Yeah. But and I think that's what's scary, right? Because they, I think they can, they can have that mentality and probably maintain or maybe just slightly bleed like their user base because no one else is going anywhere. No one's pulling them away. But from like a new DFS user acquisition standpoint, like that, you're, you're not going to grow people. Like if they rolled out a really sick rake back program and they were able to explain it in really simple terms, like that could potentially bring new players to the site. Whereas like this strategy is more just like, we know we have you buy a stranglehold. You're going yeah. nowhere. But like, I don't know how that helps them ever grow. Yeah. I would say um, like the rake back is almost, it would, it would help them grow, but it's more keeping the grinders alive yep. to keep the games going because it's, it's uh you know, what's it called? A mutual paramutual, whatever the word is. Where you need other users to play the game. It's not like sports betting where you could just put it against the house. So they need they need the players, yeah. uh, which they should know well, having you know had liquidity struggles for years when they first started. Yeah. So you would think they would want to incentivize, and it's 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 not. I mean, this happens in in poker rooms too that they would pay players to play to start the games. At least yeah. back in the day, I don't know if they do that anymore. So it's, it's pretty common. Um, but if you could like get it that into the marketing zeitgeist, like you're describing, you know, like, Hey, you could make 120 grand a year just being a break even DFS player. Really? Oh my God. That's crazy. Maybe, maybe I should try, you know, like you would definitely get some more people, but I think Mm -hmm. the main benefit would be keeping the games going they're not going to just like cash it out and like, you know, you'd have to tear it, tear it off. You don't want like, but it also kind of solves itself because they have to play to get the rake back. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, what do you like? What is the overlap between DK sports betters and DK DFS players? I mean, well, what's his name? Um, the new, the new goat sports better. Why am I blanking on his name? Sean Perry. Sean Perry says he's one millions playing DFS too in a tweet I just read. So it's gotta be big overlap. Man. If Sean Perry signed with a DFS site, who would it be? <laughs> oh, come on. All right. No more layups. Okay, we I do want to wrap up with can we talk like what happened to our guy RBX since he came on the show? He's lost his mind on Twitter these days, man. My theory is he saw some podcast on celibacy is good for the body and he's been, you know, abstaining from women and it's just driving him crazy. This is my theory. Um, he was, uh, I think what was the, what was the original post? So, you know, ETR did a, a pretty normal post. Uh, Leone won the Thunderdome and, RBX wanted the receipts on that, you know, the implication being like, you're just screenshotting your one win and you're actually down big. Um, ETR social media said, sure, we will show it. Um, he has, uh, over $225,000 in profit, almost an 89% lifetime ROI in the contest. Um, and then even RBX wasn't buying that. Like he did the like the joke that people do when they post their like <laughs> DraftKings winnings 
and the DraftKings entered and saying, hey, nice, nice head. He says, so 254000 in entry fees and two hundred twenty-five in profit tells me he's down 30K. Correct me if I'm wrong. Um, Was he joking there? I don't think he's joking. Because he has Rototracker. Yes, this this is uh, ETR's bankroll tracker. Oh, okay, okay. But, Still. Yeah. It looks the same. But I don't, like... I've I've just been and he's been trolling the ETR and like Dink and stuff for like he I guess they like updated a NBA projection uh, not fast enough for him and he was pissed off about that. And that so is frustrating. Them. Honestly, if that's what you're using, I so I I did DM him and um, and he called me uh, an ETR butt buddy. <laughs> Dude, dude, what was blowing my mind? Because like when we had him on the show, what was it like six weeks ago, two months ago? He, yeah, he like yeah. seemed so enlightened. He was like, you know what? I don't feel the need to grind DFS anymore. I'm crushing it at poker. I dine and dash, smashed and grabbed DFS. Here's my proof. I got in, got out, and now I'm living my best life. And it was like everyone really enjoyed that episode. Probably one of the more like publicly – uh, well-received episodes we've done this year. And now he's just like an unhinged guy on, on Twitter and all these mentions. <laughs> that was his best one for sure. And I, and I, I was like, I thought I would get more views, honestly, but it did, it did well. Yeah. I don't know. He, he, he really doesn't like tout sites. To me, like it was, it's kind of going because the way he talked about it was almost this more like punk rock thing. Like you don't need content site, you don't need tout sites. They all have their ulterior motives. They're all longtime losers. You know, just play the best plays and win kind of thing. But it's a different look when you're like entirely reliant on them for your DFS play, right? It's like you gotta kind of like DFS sites if you need their projections for you to play, right? Like, isn't that kind of two sides of the same coin? Yeah, it, that doesn't make any sense. I I thought it, it did make sense before some of these later ones that you could hate a ta- like touts, but respect like Leone's projections. Right. You know, like I think those that's a perfectly logical distinction. Yeah. Um, but like, I, it seems like he's crossing, throwing it all into one pot and you know still needing their numbers he must be playing a decent amount of nba too which will drive anyone crazy pete yes it does seem like that but i'm just surprised because if you're talking about the um the spectrum of like dfs sports as it relates to mental health i mean it's it's head and shoulders like not even close right like dfs NBA, NBA DFS is like what breaks your brain, requires the most time, the most, you know, tethering to your computer. And I thought RBX was out here just chilling in his hot tub, having orgies, playing with his guns. I mean, now he, you're telling me he's like doing like seven hours of NBA DFS every night? I guess so. I guess so. Uh, yeah. Uh, RBX, yeah, he uh, he's got a quite the uh, relationship go with the ETR uh, accounts these days. I'm surprised um, they haven't banned him. Oh man, they're just they need that I mean, engagement. You just get RBX on the line, and he's paying the sub. I'm assuming. Yo, you you don't share? I thought you shared your login with him. You guys no, are. I, I did until the butt buddy comment. 
I love that he called you. <laughs> like for no reason too. It's like, okay. <laughs> oh man. All right. Uh, Brian, I know you, I saw someone uh, in the chat mentioned uh, the updates to the, uh, the draft caddy for playoff best ball. You want to tell people about those, if they're in those streets this week, all kinds of good action. Yeah. Well, we only got a couple, couple more days, huh? Yeah. Um, yeah, it's got like a new like little table on there for the best ball where it shows the amount of players who still have a rank, their average ADP and the next highest and the highest ADP left for those for those teams. Because it, I mean, playoff basketball is all about stacking, right? So that's a new because the old one is for regular season is the kind of the Leone uh, buckets. Um. What are they called? Capital buckets, Pete? Uh, I can't even think of it right now, but it, that doesn't really apply to basketball. So it's mainly all about stacks. So that's on there. And it's got an automated uh, a queue that it suggests the player. And it's and it's building four three three stacks with no play no opponents in the first round. Um, but we should have an update today too, where it allows other stacks to be built. Um, but it's a cue, so you can always change it. It doesn't really matter on underdog. Yeah. But yeah. So if you got if you're playing the next couple of days, feel free to hop it on. And then I put pl- I'm planning on doing a uh a larger update for the off season. Yeah, it'll be fun to uh to dig in. I mean the the, the best ball action is gonna be flying fast and furious, uh basically the second the uh the NFL season ends. So it'll be fun to uh to see what you got cooking up over there and uh and use it again for all these drafts this off season. Um, as far as for my schedule uh, tonight, we've been doing all kinds of playoff challenge content over on ship chasing. We're doing kind of a hodgepodge show tonight. We're going to talk about some underdog playoff best ball. We're going to do some more FFPC challenge. And then also the NFFC has a different playoff style contest. So with the stat chasing guys, we're going to dive into that. And then tomorrow I'm not going to be doing a DraftKings salary cap show. Ever since they nuked the rewards program, I'm kind of, you know, really trying to stick it to them. Now, uh, I'm going to do more uh, underdog, uh, the wild card slate. Uh, it's just super fun slate, Brian. I was actually in the Battle Royale streets a little earlier today. Um, it's a good one for Battle Royale. So, okay. Yeah, some fun stuff there. So I'm going to do that show at 2 p.m. with the Badge Bros, and then we'll hop over to their channel and do a final playoff best ball show. So that'll be back-to-back tomorrow at 2 and 3 p.m., um, and then we'll have a final show on ship chasing tomorrow night at nine with uh, with Dink and Leone. Once uh, Le- Dink finally finishes updating those NBA projections, he's going to come over and uh, and do a show with us. Uh, <laughs> anything else here, Brian? Before we power this down? No, sir. All right. Uh, appreciate you guys hanging out in the chat. Keep sending us your tips for episodes, inside information. You can hop in the Deposit Kingdom Discord. We got a Lowell's channel in there always appreciate when you guys put things on our radar uh hope you guys enjoy the rest of uh, your weekend get in all those final best ball drafts enjoy the games yada yada we'll see you next thursday on lulz everybody in your crew identifies as either big mac burger mcnuggets or mccrispy sandwich but you're the filet fish sandwich all day that crispy fish that savory tartar sauce that melty cheese that pillowy bun yeah you get it every time 
And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.